The date is Friday, March 12th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode of the podcast, we are officially celebrating our one-year anniversary. It was on this day, a year ago, that we released our first episode entitled Bioshock Rapture Revisited. And this episode, we're talking about the sequel entitled Bioshock 2. We'll talk the ideologies, the plot, and have a laugh or two along the way. So enjoy! What is up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. As always, this is Entertain This. Entertain This. I almost felt like I didn't need to do it because you kind of did it. I, I'm sorry. I just got so hyped. <laughs> You're trespassing looking at, on my territory. Looking at this new system that we have set up that I yeah. just kind of went for it. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> As always, I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. And as you guys may have noticed, something's off about us right now. Are we like here right now? <laughs> Are we present in the moment? <laughs> guys, we're doing a visual know. component to the podcast now. And maybe that's not going to hit for some of you um, who are regular listeners of our podcast. Uh, but we have uh, taken to a visual uh, way of doing things. And it's working mm-hmm. out pretty nicely for us at this moment in time specifically. We'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, I can hear a lot of you asking right now, boys, why switch things up now on episode 53 of the pod? Is it 53? 54? 53 53 of the podcast. Thank you, Nick. Uh, And the answer is exciting news. Drum roll, please. Thank you, boys. Mm -hmm. We are officially signed to a network. (gasps) Oh. Wow. I know. As you guys uh, probably would have seen coming into this visual recording, we have signed with the Scene Snobs Network, and we'll get more into exactly what that means uh, reaching the end of the program today. But one thing that that uh, clearly indicates is that now we are taking a visual platform as well as an audio-based platform, um, and our episodes will now be streaming on the uh, Scene Snobs Network every Friday night, the same day that we release the podcast. So you'll still get the podcast released to you. In fact, if you guys are regular listeners to the podcast, you will have first access to the episode this week. Um, They'll still upload at 11.30 a.m. on all streaming platforms first, and then that night they will go live on the stream so keep a look on our uh, social medias for exactly what time that's going to be happening at we're still kind of tying up loose ends but that's all the banter i wish to speak of today wow. for now let's uh well did, were you impressed by that did you like that yeah it was a lot of banter thank you <laughs> wouldn't call it banter no it was just me it was just me rambling we were just but housekeeping the, ram- the rambling's over the housekeeping's done and i'm gonna toss it over to my constituent uh, Nick, and he's going to take over. It's his hey. episode. Hey, that's hey, you. It's me. Hey, that's you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's been an entire year since our first episode was released. Yeah. And, uh, well, thanks for coming on this ride with me, guys. I never thought I'd be doing this for this long. Doing podcasting? Doing anything for a year or longer. How long have you been <laughs> dating your girlfriend? Uh, we're going to do that later. I don't think we will, is the thing. <laughs> I think that, that was a deflect, is what that was. <laughs> What's commitment? I'm not sure. Um, but oh, <laughs> as you might recall, I was the one who started our humble little podcast. I I'm was the sorry? first. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, was, here's something that we need to realize as a group right now. I wish we would have talked about this beforehand, but I'm going to bring it up now. So everyone huddle in. Guys, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be watching us for the first time, and they're watching right now. They're seeing this happen. <laughs> they, they don't know who we are, what we've done. They have not listened to the last 50 episodes. We are reaching a new audience now, and I'm really yeah. nervous about it. We really should make claims Basically, that we can back up. Basically, all I'm okay. saying Break. is that... Sorry, go ahead. I did the first episode. That's all I'm saying. That's okay. true. Oh, you, you did, did the first episode. You yes. did. Yes. You were the host of the first episode because oh, you yep. had the best concept out of the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call it the best, but anyways. <laughs> oh, it was the best. It, it was by the sweat of my brow that mm. I breathed life into our audio medium. That's With some back. help from, you know, some great friends here. Man, you're uh, just really pumping yourself up right now. <laughs> but today, <laughs> I'd like to tell you a story. At base level, it's a story of a divorced dad who lost custody rights and wants to see his kid again. But beyond that, it's a story about forgiveness, revenge, loss, and life. And it's really not all about the destination of getting to see your daughter again, but it's the journey you take to get there. Mm. Much like this podcast, it's not about making 52 hours of content just to say we did it, but rather about the good times and the discussions that we have along the way. So along our story, I'd like to make some brief stops to talk about ideologies, characters, legacies, and contrasts along the way. So, if it's all right with you boys, I'd like to hop in a bathosphere and dive below the surface to revisit the failed utopian city of Rapture once again. So now, would you kindly entertain this? Deep dive into a video game known as Bioshock 2. Nice. We're back. We're back, boys. We're back. <laughs> this feels so... Nick, you, you really did a great job, kind of. If if there were a bow to tie on our podcast, or at least the first year of our podcast, it's really cool that... Because I remember that very first episode, me being like, well, in Bioshock 2, and you're like, ah, we're not, uh, uh, we're not that, talking that, about Bioshock 2. We're talking about Bioshock 1, specifically. No. And I was mm-hmm. like, why does he keep doing that? But now I see you were planning all along to do Bioshock 2, this year, and then possibly Bioshock three next year, and then that'll be it for the podcast. We'll be done, yeah, we'll because be done. we're because we'll be out of Bioshocks. Well, yeah. to be fair, you can never truly be done with Bioshock Infinite because it's infinite. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's funny. In case you guys weren't picking up on this, we're also a comedy podcast. We try. <laughs> yeah, if you want to call not, us that, <laughs> not very hard. We don't. <laughs> Ooh, jokes. Anyways, this game serves as a <laughs> antithesis to Bioshock one. So if you could maybe bring us up to speed on what happened in that last title, the last episode a year ago on Bioshock 1. Ooh, I can maybe try this. It's going to be interesting because I never actually played it. Oh, um, God. Okay, Michael, well, you didn't entertain this? No, Do it anyway, Michael. I have it downloaded in my Steam library and I just never played it. Shaking my head. Um, okay. Shaking my so way you downtown. Play, you play as a guy. <laughs> you play as a guy whose name escapes me, but I remember he has Jack. chain tattoos on his wrists. He crash lands into the ocean and finds uh, safe passage on a random island, which takes him down into the wonderful city of Bioshock. Uh, There he gets meted by a man whose name also escapes me, but keeps saying things like uh, with an Irish accent, like, would you kindly, would you kindly, (laughs) would you kindly, Uh, eventually leading up to the moment where you uh, meet the founder of Rapture, the city in Bioshock. whose name is Andrew Ryan, Andrew Ryan. Yep. And 
you kill him because the guy that you met before said, would you kindly kill this son of a bitch or something along those lines? That's mm. right. Um, you kill him. Well, he tells you to kill him. Andrew Ryan kill, tells you, the player, to kill him as yep. well. To prove a point. Uh, like yep, what? you do. And upon doing that, you realize, wow, I if someone tells me, would you kindly do this thing? I have to do this thing. Um, so then he breaks free of that. I don't remember how. But then he goes and takes on the original man who sold, who was like doing this stuff to you and making you do all this stuff. Nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice catch. Are we avoiding and, cussing now? Is that a part of our brand deal? I don't, I don't think know. it is. I think uh, we're good. <laughs> if but we're then Mick, if we're not if allowed to it. cuss, let us know after you listen to this. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Michael then, paused again. No, we're good. Yeah, but then you know, <laughs> Sorry, no, my brain just malfunctioned for a second. Oh, okay, great. He's buffering. Give him a minute. Uh, so then you go and you kill this guy, and I believe this guy's name is Atlas. Uh, uh-huh. You go and you kill him and you free yourself from these these bonds. And now that is the end of Bioshock one. Okay. That was pretty good. That was the that was the plot arc of Bioshock one. Uh Alex, did you have anything more to offer or should I just uh fill in the fill in the gaps? Okay, here? let me try to take a a dive at this, if you would. <sighs> Thank you. It's underwater. So so it starts yeah. off you um you go to this lighthouse, right? Does yep. this one start with a plane crash? Plane crash, yep. Plane mm-hmm. crash, you end up in an ocean, you swim for a lighthouse. Once you go in the lighthouse, you find out it's actually a secret underground elevator that takes you into Rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, while in Rapture, you uh, you discover a couple of different beasts living upon the wreckage of what used to be this underwater uh, escape from capitalistic society. Um, you find there are a bunch of, like, addicts who are addicted to this special kind of ejector that gives you superpowers uh called vigor adam adam that's it adam um all of these like addicted people who are addicted to adam are like constantly trying to kill you and you have to fight them off and then there are big daddies which are these giant mech uh people who are um who are kind of (laughs) angry drill men angry drill men yeah um and they protect the little sisters, which are the like tiny little girls who later you find out are the creators of Adam. Um, you figure this out because either you can harvest them and obtain all of their uh, like magic essence. And that's one way to level up. Or you can save them um, to maybe have a payoff in the end that is more on the uh, chaotic good side. I don't think you could be uh, <laughs> lawful good in this game. It's good um, or evil, basically. Yeah. Um, and in getting all these like powers, you can do different things like Shoot one fire makes, out of your yeah, hands, like electric, a bunch of, it's basically like getting spells is kind of what it's like. Um, sure. If you want to take that route, that's kind of the little details that I think Michael missed. The rest is kind of overarching plot of what happens with all of those things happening as you explore this underwater city of rapture. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. We had a, we had a joke in the first episode of. Um, Andrew Ryan, the city's founder, getting pissed off at FDR for the New Deal. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to build an underwater city, and we're going to have total free market capitalism down there, and it's going to be great. Yeah, and of course he does. <laughs> so one of the things when people ask me, like, well, what's your podcast about? I'm like, well, let's put it this way. One time we 
talked about Bioshock the game, but instead of doing like a review of it or talking about like the creation of it, we talked about how it's possible that George W. Bush and (laughs) the oil industry, as well as FDR and the New Deal may have impacted the surrounding uh, creation of Bioshock and how the political stance of (laughs) the United States at the time of creating Bioshock was the reason why it ended up being so good. And people are like, what? It could be, yeah. I <laughs> mean, like, that's yeah, something that's kind of what we vibe on is that under, like, under the surface stuff. Yeah, and we nice pun, uh, but we discuss the concept of free will, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have any free will in the game. Yeah, that was this? one of the first existential questions you asked us. Was hey, what's free will? And we're like, bro, bro, this is episode <laughs> one of the podcast. We're, we're ten minutes into this thing. <laughs> It's uh, this episode's not going to be an exception to that rule. Unfortunately, we're gonna. I don't know if we'll get existential, but we'll we'll see what you're. We've been doing this for a year, man. We are used to you asking us these big questions now. Okay, I don't know if I have one central question. I do have a thesis. Why do you think that both of us brought alcohol to this one? It's because we're ready for you. (laughs) We're ready for you, Nick. Okay, but these games, both Bioshock One and Two, are packed to the brim with meaning. And you might not pick up on it as a high schooler playing it for the first time in, uh, was it 2010? I think this game came out. Sounds about right. Yeah. This game serves as a reversal in comparison to the first. The, The first game serves as a counterpoint to the second game's ideologies. So it's, it's collectivism versus objectivism is the primary contrast at play here. And we'll get into defining those terms, uh, later on, but what this game really tries to do at a base level is to take these two ideologies, blow them up, blow them so out of proportion in ways that people following them are just completely rigid in their decision-making, and they do not budge based on the circumstances, circumstances, no matter how dire. It's literally the purest of ideologues these people are. And in this time of political divisiveness, maybe it serves as a cautionary tale to both sides. The people in this game are using their ideologies as a means to an end. So the first thing I kind of want to discuss here is the issue of weaponizing the bond of a family. Like the same way an explosive can weaponize chemical bonds. Like how many times have you heard, uh, we're one big family at this company. But in the end, (laughs) does it really matter who you call mom and dad? Of course not. Whoever you call your family is fine with me. Michael, this is topical because of the job that you just secured. Yeah, yeah. We're one big family. I don't think it's something we're able to talk about, but I do think that you're going to be jumping in this like, we're a family business, and then you jump on social media and everyone's like, far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, we'll see. That's the way it's going to be. That's every company, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's an ideology too. I don't know. We'll get to it. Um Second issue here that I'd like to discuss in depth, if we could, that's another pun. Uh, it's called Thought Ghosts, what I like to call Thought Ghosts. We're it's a comedy the... podcast, so just okay. gotta really listen out for those diamonds <laughs> in the rough, because there's yeah. a lot of rough and not a lot of diamonds. There's, uh, there's legacies of ideologies that we're mm-hmm. all living with currently. Um, no matter who you are, where you are, there's certain things that exist from a different time period that are still around today. Every government and societal way of thinking has a legacy. It still stands long after the fallen. I mean, look at the USSR. Soviet bloc countries are still culturally close to Russia. Long after the USSR fell, there's people living there that can still remember it in their thoughts. The ghosts of the past live on in their memories. So take it a step further and say that our parents 
decisions are embedded within our genetic code. I know that sounds a little weird, but let me explain. So there's a study on mice where they exposed the male mice to the smell of uh, like sweet almonds or something like that, and then zapped their little feet. So then they went on to mate and have little babies, and these babies were exposed to that same smell and immediately got stressed as if they were expecting a shock. That's pretty wild, right? That's thought to pretty be wild. There, there's yeah. a mechanism at play in, in humans too, but it's hard to suss out like the nurture versus nature developmental psychology from this. But even long after we're gone, perhaps a fragment of our genes will go and walk on Mars. I mean, who knows? So even after this great rapture experiment was over, you're still left with the aftermath. A city is not just going to poof out of existence one, one, one day. It's, it's, kind of like, uh, it's kind of like poop, you know? It okay. helps you excrete waste, but now that it's out of your body, what do you do with it? Do you flush it down the toilet? Like, it was a big issue in, in early human societies. So, okay, so uh, let's back up before we talk about poop. Um, <laughs> because you because people who have people who are just tuning in because we are gaining a kind of new audience from joining this network, they maybe haven't listened to the first episode, uh, which which kind of went over what Rapture was. So yeah. let's just, if you could, just give us like a very quick rundown of like, this is Rapture. Like yeah, this is so what Rapture was supposed to be. Rapture is... So the game's creator was reading um, a book by the by the name of Atlas Shrugged by an author called Ayn Rand, and mm-hmm. within this book, she kind of outlines the the pillars of an ideology called objectivism. And what objectivism is is this way of looking at the world that is objective, kind of like the name suggests. But one of the pillars of that is free market capitalism. So. That's why it's not a philosophy and it's an ideology. See, there's a difference. But um, basically what what Rapture is, is a response to the Cold War. Uh, you know, the United States post-1945, we have all these New Deal programs. The government has taken control of a lot of industries for the sake of war and production and like that. But then after that, you have the prospect of nuclear war, which is, you know, mutually assured destruction and everything's going to blow up and there's maybe there won't be a tomorrow. So like Andrew Ryan's reaction to all that was like, I need to get away from this. I need to preserve myself. And the government's taken too much of my stuff, man. He moves out and he's like, I'm going to make rapture. There's not going to be any taxes. There's not going to be any laws. It's going to be completely pure free market capitalism. This of course goes haywire because, uh, like I said before, he's being a rigid ideologue. Um, and he's not bending based on, you know, uh, circumstances that arise. So that's Rapture in a nutshell. Pretty much. Yes. So now let's talk about poop. Poop. Go ahead. Okay. So your initial question was like, what do we do with Rapture now that it's expelled from our <laughs> human bodies? What do you do with the poopy ideologies of yesterday? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think if we keep following that metaphor <laughs> down the drain, oh. um, we like once once we've kind of let go of God. Why are we talking about poop? Once we kind of <laughs> let go of the excrement, we don't think about it anymore, and that's what we want: is for it to disappear down the pipe, and for us to never have to think about it again but until it we have to like get that. rid of another one. It does work like that on a small scale, but on the yes. larger scale, it does not. Yeah. But those problems aren't for the people, according nope. to us. 
It's for uh, the higher ups to figure out <laughs> the people in charge of the society. Yeah. I mean, you can't just stop an entire societal group of people from thinking a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if you convince a majority, there's always holdouts. So let's, let's do another thought experiment. Let's say you want everyone to stop saying the word moist. I don't like the sound of it. I don't want people to say moist anymore. Yeah. You get saying that you're going to get more people saying, I know. (laughs) You can get posters on street corners, everything, social media push, all that. You get politicians to pass laws, maybe against saying moist so that it's illegal, but you can't stop everyone every time. So much of what we're experiencing today is because of yesterday. And this maybe is an argument like why kids should study history. I don't know, but Michael knows this more than anyone. Underneath every CSS or JavaScript, there is a few ugly lines of assembly code that's running in the background. Under that is machine code, which was decided upon in the 50s or earlier, depending on who you ask. Sure, you could reprogram everything, but why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Even the computers we use today to watch nukes are probably still run on basic. Yeah, it Um, could be. (laughs) <laughs> Michael's like, well, I wrote the program and I'm pretty sure I wrote it in JavaScript, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, as you might recall in my little intro bit there, I said uh, something about sweat on my brow or something like that. Um, that's, that's directly from Andrew Ryan, the city's founder, who says, a man is entitled to the sweat of his brow. Mm. Right? In the first little bit there. Having um, flashbacks to episode one in, in Michael's kitchen with all of the echoes. <laughs> <laughs> the oh echoes boy, of how yesterday. Far we've come. <laughs> yes. It's been a year. Um, but it's, I've kind of hit on this before, but there's a philosophical movement in the United States and abroad, I think, after World War II in particular. After 1945, we enter into this period called postmodern, the postmodernist period. Mm-hmm. And at its heart, it's a general distrust of the grand theories and ideologies, as well as a problematic relationship with any notion of quote-unquote art. It's a time when people are questioning the structures they belong to, and really any collection of power. So what's the point of belonging to a nation if they're just going to nuke each other? And does it really matter if we could all be killed in a nuclear firestorm tomorrow? When you hear those kind of things, you're probably thinking, yeah, I could see why somebody could kind of want to get away from it all. Postmodernism is kind of this change in the way we view one another. Well, before 1945, there was a faith that people were generally good beings. And after World War II, we kind of start to question that. Maybe humans are generally bad. Who knows? So if you'd allow me to, I'd like to do a little symbolism here. To remedy humans' nature, people will have turned to the Bible or religions to keep themselves, you know, good. And as you'll see, a lot of this game's symbolism is taken directly from the good book itself. I don't know why. Maybe there's this uh, grand scheme that the the game's initial art director was going for here, but it's a city at the bottom of the ocean where goodness and laws are completely thrown away. Even the Bible is like completely outlawed down there. But it isn't ironic, don't you think? Don't you the think? S- <laughs> sort of your brow is actually from the Bible. Genesis 3.19 says... By the sweat of your brow, you will eat the food until you return to the ground, Mm. since from it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is what God said to Adam after he ate the forbidden fruit. He's like, hey, bro, remember all of that when you had in my garden? You blew it. Go find your own shit now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of, like, um, I guess, equals between, like, 
this idea of God banning Adam out of Eden mm-hmm. and being like, all right, now you have to provide for yourself. And Adam being like, all right, I'm going to build my own thing. Yep. So like Andrew Ryan and FDR and FDR basically being like, all right, if you don't like it, then get out. And Andrew being like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to go build it. my own thing. It's kind of like a... um like that point in our lives that we all reach where we're like living in our parents' house and we're like, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my own thing now. Like it's going to suck, but I'm going to build my own life away from like the structure that has been Mm -hmm. given to me. And it all is kind of this like garden of Eden escapism that is like constantly threaded through this narrative. Yeah. Even rapture itself is a biblical meaning too. Mm. The it's the event in which the faithful are taken to heaven during the second coming of Jesus. It's, it's a book of revelation. It gets really weird. So if you, be, if, so if you believe in these like major, like capitalist ideas so much, yep. You'll be raptured to rapture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the core tenets. Like people that are in rapture now are given like an engraved invitation from Andrew Ryan himself. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey, why don't you come on down here? I've seen you being a good capitalist boy. <laughs> I've seen you pulling those business moves. Why don't you, uh, Come on over here. I'll, I won't have to pay any taxes, huh? Hey, don't also, pay any like, taxes. It's a stereotype, but like <laughs> businessmen do so many drugs. Oh, like, yeah. Just, it, it's not surprising that like in the frame of this game, um, it's, it's all like, about drug use. Right. It's like, hey, come down here. Come have fun. No rules. Do as many drugs as you like, but pay for them, <laughs> but do as many baby. as you want. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Andrew Ryan's like, hey, you, doctor. You've got an ethically questionable study going on on those children there. I got the place for you. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, little boy. Come come on over. Like, really, we joke about it, but that's what Rapture is all about. It's like, ethics don't matter down here. Do whatever you want. You're making a buck. That's cool with me. Just make that bread. Make that bread. Make that that bread. Uh, So how did Andrew Ryan profit off of all this? We're still talking about uh, Bioshock 2, by the way. Just it happens in Rapture as well. Yeah, it's all the same thing. There are no taxes, but I guess driving the addiction to this drug that he's providing is kind of it. Yeah, Andrew Ryan has his own business, but I mean, I don't know. It gets kind of weird because he builds the city, like he builds the entire city. And I guess he charges rent on the buildings and stuff. So maybe that's, you know, pulling a little landlord so. thing. Let's talk for a second about, let's let's go ahead and let's uh, date this podcast. Okay. You know, the one thing that you're not supposed to do. We're kind of seeing um, an equivalent of uh, this kind of idea of sp- basically breaking away and creating your own society. Okay. In the news recently, Elon Musk has been thrown into the spotlight after he announced that he wanted to start a city in Texas. Are you guys familiar with this? Kind of. No, but I've heard, kind of. I've heard one argument. I've heard them all pretty much. <laughs> so so uh, here's what this this is from entrepreneur.com. I don't know if that is a reliable source, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say Except it anyway. It. It says, uh, the billionaire announced that he is building a new city in Texas to be called Starbase around the rocket launch site of his company, SpaceX, um, used to causing a stir, which is the exact word, so maybe it isn't that reputable of a source. Used to causing (laughs) a stir by typing just a few words, Musk post on Twitter uh, that he is creating the city of Starbase, Texas. 
Okay. Doesn't right. that feel a lot like this? <laughs> Just a billionaire being like, I'm going to start my own goddamn city. Fuck it. No masks, no I laws, mean, yes, yes no social no. distancing. But he has to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has those overtones in it. I'm sure there's nuance, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in the United States, we're still going to want our tax money, you know? Right. Like yeah. you're, you're on our land, okay? You still got to pay property tax. You can do whatever you want. This is America after all, but at the end of the day... Mm-hmm. You know, shrug. Yeah. Atlas shrugs. Ha ha ha. No. Um, but, <laughs> but for crying out loud, the, the very drug that we're talking about, Adam, mm-hmm. that's from the Bible too. Eve. Eve is what you use to shoot in your veins to power the, the powers. Um, is it spelled like Adam or like Atom? Adam, like A-D-A-M. Really? Wow. Yep. So biblical sy- symbolism all around. And then moving out of the Bible, we have the main character you play as, Subject Delta, who is a big daddy. Ooh. He's a big angry drill man, yeah. Delta wink. is like, mm, what's up? <laughs> wink. <laughs> wink, wink, yeah. I said, wink. So it's the fourth letter of the Greek alphabet. It's kind of shaped like a triangle. I'm sure you've seen it in sororities mm. and fraternities all around in colleges, but it's implying that Delta is the fourth big daddy ever created and the first mm-hmm. successful one as far as they're concerned. But it's also used in mathematics to symbolize change. So delta V is meaning uh, change in velocity. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting, right? And then uh, his his daughter, I guess, his little sister would be a better term for that. Yeah. Both him and the main antagonist, Sophia, Sophia Lamb, they both have the surname of Lamb, which could be likened to the Bible where Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. I don't know. He's offered up mm. to save us. Um, but that's that's going to end my symbolism talk for today. So thanks for coming to that. Um, <laughs> let's just start with a quote from Sophia Lamb. This is the game's primary antagonist, and this will help frame our discussion of the actual plot itself and serve as the end of the beginning of my little spiel. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think I did. And, oh, and no. <laughs> the note... The note that I'm saying antagonist right here, okay? I'm not saying bad guy, because everyone has their own motives. You can mm-hmm. kind of, you know, empathize with the bad guy a lot of the times. And that's what makes a good story, if you ask me. But I'd be a fool to call either side good or bad, because they're both kind of shitty in the end. So let's start with the quote here. For every choice, there is an echo. With each act, we change the world. One man chose a city free of law and God but others chose corruption, so the city fell. If the world were reborn in your image, would it be paradise or perdition? And a brief aside here, I had to look up perdition. It essentially <laughs> means hell or damnation. So yeah, I figured. <laughs> Context clues. <laughs> so is that kind of getting your gears working in a, a certain way? Yes. Yeah, I think I've got an idea. Okay. Let's All talk right. about the plot of, yeah. of uh, Bioshock 2. Because I know in this one, you play as a big daddy in a way. Mm-hmm. That's right. You you are a big daddy. Um, mm-hmm. This this uh, the story takes place 10 years after the fact of the first game. Okay. So the first game takes place in... Oh, never mind. First game takes place in 1960. Um, and Raptor starts to fall uh, in, in 1959. It's just like on this downward slide. So when you arrive there, it's pretty much gone to hell. Mm-hmm. Um this game takes place in 1968 when things are already, uh, they were bad and they got even worse. If you can believe right. that. 
Um, so let me just let me just go, let's just go to the story. Okay. You want to so do that? I might be mistaken, but if I remember, I played the demo for this game back when it was on the Xbox 360. All right. Mm. If I remember, you start the game as a big daddy before the fall of Rapture. Correct. And yes. you get an idea okay. of like what Rapture was like before everything went to shit. Yeah, it was a party. Yeah. Like literally it like you are a big daddy walking through a big party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, nice. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> nice suit, bro. Hey. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're uh it's New Year's Eve in 1958. That's when the story mm. begins. It's an opening cutscene, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're walking along, you know, minding your own business through the tunnels of Rapture. You got your little sister with you. She's chilling. She's harvesting some Adam with a big old long needle. She's sticking it in a dead body mm-hmm. and then harvesting the drugs out of it, basically. Um, then she gets up on your shoulder. Or, or she No, she runs off through this uh, ballroom and then you go and catch up with her or whatever. Um, and then you hear screaming because she's being attacked. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, shit, not this again. So you <laughs> oh, run down shit. the hall. Here we go again. <laughs> <we> go again. <laughs> then you run down the hall, you turn a corner, and then there's these three um, drug addicts, basically. They're, what they're called in the game is splicers. So mm-hmm. Splicers. I've been avoiding that term the entire podcast because I couldn't <laughs> remember it. <laughs> but they're trying to capture, they're trying to kidnap her. And that's not cool, mm-hmm. but they're trying to get the drugs out of her because basically little sisters have uh, an atom slug in their stomach that produces the atom mm-hmm. um, for them. And then they get that extracted in somehow, but that's like the rack, the, 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 the atom ecosystem within Rapture. Um, so you're subject Delta and uh, I'll give, you know what? I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give a little backstory about him. Oh uh, yeah. He's also... The person you play as is also called Johnny Topside. And Johnny Topside's backstory is, well, Topside obviously implies he's from the surface, which he is. Mm -hmm. And he's a deep sea diver who just kind of stumbles upon Rapture, you know, all happenstance, I guess. Um, And Rapture is rumored to be, I think, 500 miles off the coast of Reykjavik, Iceland. Mm -hmm. Yep. So cold ass water. I don't know what he's doing down there. Um. But he just kind of stumbles upon Rapture. He goes and checks it out. He's like, hey, what's going on down here, you guys? And of course, he gets imprisoned because Andrew Ryan thinks that he's a government spy. Right. Par- he'd be paranoid like that. Um, he do be paranoid, though. <laughs> he has him imprisoned. Uh, he's thrown in jail. And then, because there's no ethics, he is experimented upon. He's given all these uh, plasmids, as they're called in the game, all these power-ups. He's you know being genetically manipulated and all this. And then... Eventually, the Big Daddy program comes along, and he's drafted into that. So, Johnny Topside is no more. He's scrubbed from the from the papers and everything else. He's now Subject Delta, who is one of the first Big Daddies to um, successfully become genetically bonded to a little sister. Before that, they kind of had some problems getting this pair bond to work out quite well. So they uh, they get it to work with him. But the only problem is it works a little too well so that when, whenever his little sister is killed or injured or something like that, he feels it too. So later on, you find out that the big daddies that you see all around the city um, in 1968, these are like later prototype big daddies that can uh, be bonded to multiple little sisters and not just one. 
So, um, so that's who you did are. It. Yeah, they did it. They were successful. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so you have to find some Adam. Uh, and then, then in the opening cutscene, I still haven't gotten to this. Hmm. You, uh, you're hypnotized. Somebody uses a, a hypnotized plasmid on you, which basically means you have to do whatever they say or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, and then Sophia Lamb appears, who is this, uh, who's a psychi- psychiatrist? Psychiatrist, psychologist. Psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, Psychiatric. Like She's a smart person who knows things about human brains, okay? We'll see, we we'll made it. God we damn. It. <laughs> it was a journey, but we did it. But her backstory is actually pretty interesting, too. She was um, she was on the ground in Hiroshima when the atomic bomb was dropped. So I don't know how she survived that, um, but she was in the area mm. or something like that. And then she goes over there and tries to... Um, do counseling because obviously you know your city just got blown up what do you you're probably pretty how do you feel about that how do you feel about that tell me how hey, you we feel. just blew up your city what's up are we good <laughs> what's up what's uh, up but after that she kind of sees the the horrors of an atomic bomb firsthand and she's like i don't want this to happen in america new york city or anything like that i need to get out of here um so eventually andrew ryan invites her down to the city because a lot of the people's, a lot of the city's inhabitants are dealing with, uh, you know, side effects from being underwater all the time. They don't see the, they don't see the sun anymore. Right. I'd get pretty mm-hmm. depressed. I don't know about you. <laughs> Turns out that's an actual medical condition. <laughs> yeah, it's called seasonal affective disorder, and it fucking mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think a lot of us are experiencing that right now. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw the sun today. It was great. Um, pretty good. <laughs> but in Rapture, you don't get to see the sun. Uh, so that's I have, my, I have light mode on for all of my shit on my computer. Is that is that similar to going outside? No, no, your eyes are so red, and we can like okay. tell people that now. Yeah, that's fair. What, what <laughs> you been doing over there, huh? No, <laughs> was that a joke about <laughs> cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, jazz cigarettes. Um, we gotta watch visual humor for our listening friends. <laughs> But uh, that's Sophia Land's backstory, I think. I think I hit it pretty well. Eventually, she gets mm-hmm. down to Rapture to help out the people, and uh, she ends up manipulating them, which is- She an, goes mad with power. Goes mm-hmm. mad with power. She's which the is one like that, one of the base themes of the game. Oh, yeah, big time. There's the, there's the kind of thing where she feels the power vacuum after Andrew Ryan's, you know, dead. You whacked him with a golf club, right, in the first game. Yep. Uh, she comes in to fill the void. She's like, all right, you know what? This, this whole capitalism thing didn't work out so well. Uh, let's be let's collectivist. Try a, let's try a dictatorship. How about that? How let's try like the polar opposite. How do you guys feel about some of that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, the, the splicers you see, they try to take your little sister away and you get pissed. You, you punch them down, you mm-hmm. drill them with your hand drill, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just impale them basically. Yep. So if you're here for the gore, there's plenty of that in this game. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then they're all dead and you get hypnotized. And then Sophia Lamb appears and she's like, hey, that's not your kid, pal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not your friend, buddy. I'm not your hey. buddy, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your guy, man. <laughs> I'm not your man, buddy. Guys, we can't do this all day. No, okay. Michael, you took it too far. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but Sophia Lamb has hypnotized you and you get a gun. 
it's it's a German Luger um, artillery model, if you must know, which is kind of funny because it's a World War II pistol. What's it doing down in the city in 1958? I don't know. Um, but she, <laughs> you place the gun to your head and then she says, okay, pull the trigger. And you do. You're dead. Kaput. That's it. Wow. Short that's game. the whole game. That's it. But what if I told you that's not the whole game? <gasps> I'd believe you, you because you it's wouldn't. like so short if it were. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not the end of the game. You've reawakened eight years, ten, ten years after the fact. You've been resurrected by the little sisters under control of your little sister, your daughter, for all intents and purposes, Eleanor. If I had to take a guess, I'd say that if you were going to heal from a bullet wound to the head, it would take roughly eight to ten years. Yeah, it probably would. You don't recover from that very easy. Let me just let's just say that. Right. Um. So it's after this time when you wake up, you're like, ow, I have a headache. No, he doesn't really say that. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the scientist. <laughs> I such- just love the idea of a big daddy. Like his actual voice being like, ooh, ouch. Ooh, I got a headache. <laughs> Owie. <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who don't know what a big daddy looks like, they're seven foot tall. They're basically wearing diving <laughs> yeah. suits. And I guess they're like 300 pounds or something like that. They're more like 400, 500 They're big beefy pounds. guys. Yeah. Okay. Guys, I think I have the ability to like show pictures now. Okay. You want oh, to some of our audience? It might take me a minute, but okay. yeah, keep going. Well, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep going. Uh, pull up an Alpha Series Big Daddy because I think those are the coolest ones. And that's who I'll pop it us. on the screen. We won't talk about it, but I'll show it for people who are watching. This is your incentive to, uh, to Tune watch. In. Tune in, turn mm-hmm. on, and drop out. Uh, stay in school, though. Um, so the scientist Bridget Tenenbaum, who is, you might recognize that name from the first game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, congrats on you if you do. Uh, she informs Delta that he will die unless he finds Eleanor due to their pair bond, like I described before. Um, right. So with the help of Eleanor and a, a, a fine Southern gentleman known as Augustus Sinclair, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they try to make their way to Eleanor and Sophia Lamb stronghold in uh, Fontaine Futuristic, which is a business. So that's that's the primary goal. Mm-hmm. You got to get back to your to your daughter. So face value, that's what it is. Isn't Fontaine? I remember you talking about him in the first podcast. Yeah, he's that's a, a dick. guy. That's a dude, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the guy that double crosses you after you kill Andrew Ryan. Oh, Atlas. Yeah, Atlas and Atlas Frank Fontaine Fon- are the same people. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. Big Daddy? No, nope, that's not a Big Daddy. That's Adam Sandler. <laughs> big Daddy. There you go. Big Daddy. <laughs> nice visual pun there. Thanks. <laughs> but um, so you got to go through the city. Uh, you hop on a train, mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. really, you know, it's not a train that I get excited about. It's just called the Atlantic Express. It's basically a submarine on rails. You know, I don't care about that. That's not mm-hmm. a real train. Um. But uh, you you encounter uh, Lamb's family. They're called the Rapture family. Remember what I said before about, we're just one big family here at Acme Company. Where do you mm-hmm. think I'm going with that? It's it's all about the family, okay? Um, so there's a couple people that you encounter. There's first um, Grace Holloway, who's like a jazz singer, and she lives in uh, Popper's Drop, which is like kind of this low... It's like Skid Row in LA. It's very low class, kind of homeless people, almost homeless people that are just scraping to get by. And I mean, that's going to happen in a capitalist society. Just 
by nature of the very system itself, you're going to have the haves mm-hmm. and the have nots just going to ban out like that. Yep. Um, and you get the choice to either kill them or spare them. And that's one of the first decision points in the game outside of like the whole harvester save dilemma in the right. first game with the little sisters. So that's kind of like reflected in this game too, where you have all these people that would have wronged you in some way. Um, I'm not sure how Grace Hallway is wronged you. She sends, well, A, she tries to kill you in that level. So, I mean, she sends a that's, whole bunch of places. That's pretty wrong. <laughs> that's pretty wrong. Okay. Killing people is bad. Um, and then you get the choice to like, you can either kill her and take your revenge or you can be like, you know what? I'm going to turn the other cheek. And of course, you know me, I'm a good boy. So I spare everyone. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> and then, um, and then there's the level of, um, what comes after Popper's drop? There's a, well, anyway, you meet a journalist called Stanley Poole mm-hmm. and he's, he's like an inside man in the Raptor family and he's reporting all this stuff about him. Like, Oh, they go crazy and they do parties and all this. And he's putting it in the newspapers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but he's actually just working for Andrew Ryan to get the inside details. And then eventually mm-hmm. that leads to, uh, Sophia Lamb getting arrested because he publishes all this salacious information and that eventually leads to her getting locked up. Um, so that's a level. That's one person you get a, get a little, uh, revenge or forgiveness on. Um, and he's the guy you really want to kill. And all this game, you're just like, damn it. I wish I could, but I'm going to be a good boy this time around. I'm going to let you live. (laughs) But next time around, you're dead. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to be a good boy. I'm not going to fuck you up, but <laughs> if I replay this and I do a more malicious route, I'm going to fuck you up. I forget how you kill him, too. I think it's a drill to the chest area. I also nice. thought it was some sort of a power tool. Yeah, it's a drill. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually Tim Taylor in the diving suit. See, it's, mm, mm-hmm. it's an episode of Home Improvement that went a little More power. <laughs> <laughs> guys we've lost grip (laughs) (laughs) anyways the third person you get the opportunity to either kill or save is uh is a scientist working in rapture his name is uh gil alexander and uh he's part of this project by sophia lamb to create the first utopian which is this person who embodies all of the goodness in rapture via genetic code so that that means that's slang for adam i guess that, which is like the drug we mentioned before that gives you power-ups, but they basically, um, he, he, or she gives him a whole bunch of Adam, like a ton of it. And that mutates him. So when you find him, he's gone completely insane. And he's the one that's running Fontaine Futuristics at this point. And you find him in this, uh, sea life tank. He's like this slug kind of sea serpent looking thing. It's not, it's not too clear. I don't want to see it to be honest. Um, uh, but he, he flies around in these um, uh, security bots and he's just wandering around the halls of Fontaine Futuristics zapping the hell out of everyone. And then he says, you're fired! And then laughs maniacally. Like, ah! Completely lost his marbles. <laughs> hmm. So you uh, might it think seems that, like he's got it all together to me. I'm sure, he seems great. Yeah, Great boss. I'd love to work for him. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you find him and he's in the tank and he's like, before he before he takes all this Adam, he leaves like little audio messages like, Hey, when you find me, I'm probably gonna be completely gone. I'll be dead. I'll be I'll, I'll be out of it. I'll be out of it. So I want you to kill me. Right. 
But here's the here's the trick though. If you do kill him, that counts as like a negative thing to the story. So mm. I don't know. Do you really like want to live like that? It's a tricky because thing. Because you want to do a you want to do a hundred percent good boy route where you right. get like candy at the end. Sure, mm-hmm. something like that. You get the really tearjerker ending, which I'll get to in a minute. Because if you do all good boy choices, you get the good boy ending. But if you even make one bad boy choice, you get the middle ending, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you do all the bad boy choices, you get the bad boy ending, mm-hmm. which is not nice. Um, <laughs> I guess the middle ending <laughs> is the like true ending. There's right. Mm, uh, there's no true ending. How about that? It's all canon. All right, that's no, bullshit. But sure. <laughs> I don't know. Call Ken Levine. We'll go. <laughs> Give me his number. I'll go to that. I don't have it. I'll bring him on the podcast. I'll be like, uh, listen. Uh, so, which which an- ending is canon? Can you just uh, tell us? Hey, that can quick? you tell us uh, when's Bioshock Four coming? <laughs> Hopefully, it's soon. I've been keeping. I up know on it. the last one was Infinite, and you're like, it's never gonna end. But Infinite plus one. I sure would like because they made like the Xbox One and then they made the Xbox 360 and then they were like, all right, no more. But then they made the Xbox Series X and it's like they, they always come up with something else. Then they said Sulfur X and then I said, Bi- oh no, not Algebra Class. Bioshock 4? Mm-hmm. We need a Bioshock 4 so we can keep this podcast going. Ooh, so we're going to start a petition. Bioshock Imaginary, like an imaginary number. So hey. like the the little eye. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a, a Times New Roman I, but I tell it. I took algebra. Mm. <laughs> it's no big deal. I took a pre-calc and wanted to uh wanted to not ever do that again. So I didn't. I chose oh. Rapture. No. <laughs> um where where was I where did I leave off? So uh you you do finally make it to Fontaine Futuristics where Eleanor should be held. She's not there. So you move to the Persephone prison, which mm-hmm. is like the final level in the game. So spoiler alert there. Basically, I should have given a big old spoiler alert at the beginning of this. <laughs> Listen, this game is like almost years 10 old? years old, yep. 11 years old. Woo, we're old, guys. Um, so yeah, if you haven't played it by now, I'm sorry, but this yeah, is kind of what we're all up in right now. And we're on a network now, so we get to do what we want. <laughs> Um, uh, so you, you arrive at Persephone, right? You, um, you see Eleanor, she's behind some glass and then Sophia Lamb's like, um, you know what? You got a little too close. So she <laughs> takes a pillow and smothers Eleanor long enough to stop her heart. Mm. That really hurts. in a lot of ways, <laughs> both emotionally and physically for a big daddy, um, but though Eleanor survives, Delta is beginning to slowly die on the inside and on the outside, like like so many of us are. Um, but he can't reestablish the bond because once once the little sister's heart stops, I mean that's it. You're a big daddy. You're an Alpha Series big daddy. You're done. Um, so uh, to get around this, this is not where the game ends. Eleanor transforms herself into a big sister, which is another bad guy in the game, which is basically. Mm. Big sisters are grown-up little sisters. Mm-hmm. Duh, right? Right. But as a side effect of their, like, having an atom slug in their tummy and absorbing all these powers from people's DNA and stuff, mm-hmm. they've kind of become super people. They become, mm. like, these uh, real enemy. And they're really agile. They're basically like big daddies, except they can jump around and 
hurt you more. <laughs> mess you up. Yeah. Mess you up. Um, so, uh, Eleanor transforms herself into a big sister and then Delta is freed. He's back, he's back alive and he's like, all right, I can do whatever I want, but he's still got that, you know, he's got that pain in his heart because his little sister mm-hmm. died. And together they have, uh, they're heading to an escape pod. It's this, uh, nest egg that, uh, remember good old Sinclair has arranged to get the heck out of Rapture because his big plan is. He's going to take all these genetic secrets, all this atom, all these superpowers, and he's going to take it to the surface and he's going to make a buck or two or mm-hmm. three or a million. That's his big exactly. Plan, which I would probably do too, honestly, if I was down there. Um, <laughs> but the two find that Lamb has converted Sinclair into a big daddy. And that's, that's like, this is the end game, you guys. This is like, the story is almost done. And then this guy who's been guiding you through all these uh, scenarios and all these levels in the game, he's now a big daddy and he wants to kill you. Yeah. But all through it, he's like, I don't want to do this, son. Please kill me. I don't want to do this to you, son. And that's like a boss battle and it hurts. It hurts. You're forced to kill him. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, Eleanor and Subject Delta make it to the escape pod. But Delta, as I said before, is mortally wounded by a bomb this time. A bomb this time. Not mortally wounded just because he broke his little sister bond. Is, is he mortally wounded or like, quote unquote, mortally wounded? Well, A, you got the little sister bond thing being broken. So that's... Or, uh, yeah. third option, unless, unless he wasn't mortally wounded, he was wounded by a, a mortar. No, that's mortary. Mm. Mortarly. Ah. That didn't make See, any sense. See, we're also an educational podcast. We really got it all. <laughs> <laughs> I was mortally wounded. No. Uh, I was morally wounded. Mm. Yeah, you will be at the end of this game, unfortunately. Then, then take us there, buddy. Okay, so the game's ending after Delta's mortally wounded, after you, the player character, has been bombed. Uh, they take the, the game's ending, you know, to get three. So it depends on how you interact with the little sisters and the fates of the members of this Raptor family. You know, those three people that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. Eleanor can save her mother, Sophia Lamb, or leave her to drown, depending on how you've acted. So if Delta rescued all the little sisters, he will die in Eleanor's arms. And the weather will be sunny and clear when they get to the surface. Uh-huh. And she will absorb his personality and his memories and leave Rapture, and the little sisters will change the world for the better. It's That's a real tearjerker moment when he just... When she takes the syringe, puts it into Delta's heart, and pulls out like, in essence, him, mm-hmm. and mm. the the voiceover is like, uh, "No matter where I am in the world, you'll always be with me on my shoulder." And I'm just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to cry, but uh, that that really hurt me." So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's a good ending. That's a good ending that I got because I'm a good. So boy. the good ending makes you cry. Okay. Okay. Check. Mm-hmm. Um. So here's a bad ending. If Delta harvested all the little sisters, then the weather is stormy and Eleanor will extract Delta's atom and become bent on world dominance. So that's okay. not so good. Slight difference. <laughs> yeah, not so good. Not so good. Um, the neutral, what'd you call it before? The neutral good ending? The middle ending. The middle, the middle play. The Cincinnati of endings. <laughs> All right, come on. <laughs> Gonna re- disgrace my home city like that. Um, 
the the Cincinnati ending, as we'll call it, is between rescuing and harvesting the little sisters, which gives the player a choice. Eleanor can absorb his atom, or Delta can stop her and die. In which case, Eleanor will mourn his death and choose to make her own way in life. Hmm. And this is kind of where the strongest of souls cried. (laughs) (laughs) So in conclusion, I'm going to get to the conclusion bit. What a fucking ride, you know? Name me one (laughs) other game that's packed with so much symbolism and meaning and ideologies and all this other good stuff. Frankly, I don't think you can. Name me one game. Control. Uh, okay. God of right. War. Okay. It's pretty rare for a game to come along that's <laughs> that that is this good, that is this packed with meaning. Minecraft? <laughs> Counter-Strike? <laughs> Call Overwa- Duty? Overwatch? World of Warcraft. All right, Michael. No, but but for real, though. For real. Mm-hmm. What about uh, that one that the guy made while, like, he was a game programmer, who made a game while um, his like kid was going through leukemia, and it was like on the shoulder of dragons or something like that. Oof, that one's rough. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's other games out there, but they're they're few and ooh, far between. Ooh. I will say, I will say, there is one game that emotionally gut punched me called um, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Hmm. Another great game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that one sounds rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, this is a time when many other game studios would shy away from making a sequel to an already solid game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Bioshock was perfect. It was, it was a perfect story arc, went up and down, you know, whatever. And then 2K Marin comes in and Irrational Games and they're like, uh, we're going to knock it out of the park. Check this out, y'all. Hold, <laughs> hold, my, hold my content uh, developer um, keyboard something or other. What do developers say when they're about to do something silly? Anyone know? Uh, Hold my trackpad. Uh, next. Just, next <laughs> just, just promise me you won't fire me in the next 24 hours. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm about okay. to do something awesome. Don't fire me in the next 24 hours. That sounds about right. Hold my keyboard, losers. Uh, but this is what a sequel should look like, really. And I don't think that Bioshock needed a sequel, frankly. But, you know, here's this great game that came out, you know, two years later. And it knocked it out of the park. Like, it refined on so much of what Bioshock 1 built that it's like, it's even more perfect. I don't know how you went over and above 100%, but you did. Great game all the way around. And I think the entire Bioshock franchise is well worth a playing. And you'll get your money's worth as far as gameplay goes. And you'll get a lifetime of things to think about. Like, do we exact revenge on our others who have wronged us? Or do we remember that an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind? Do we follow our ideologies to a bitter end? Or do we observe the need for nuance and walking a mile in the other side's shoes? How far are you willing to go to accomplish your goals? And is there really such a thing as good or evil? Or are there just different philosophies with different outcomes? Life is indeed richer when we have such a great game to show us these things and ask us those questions that are maybe a little hard to hear the answers to. And if you're not here for all that, that's okay too. Because holy shit, is it satisfying to thwack someone with a drill arm. (laughs) <laughs> in the end I want to thank you for a year of entertain this and uh, I, I think that you should entertain this game called Bioshock 2 hell yeah nice. That's all well done as always well done Nick mm-hmm. very Thanks. informative um, 
Before we cut to what will be our promotional section within the audio version of this podcast and eventually become a visual promotionary uh, part, as well as the uh, the movie review with Nick leading up to his guest spot on our podcast. Different Nick, not this Nick, different Nick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. His his guest his guest star on this podcast come the end of this month. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the scene snobs uh, network. Okay. That we are now mm-hmm. a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as as stated before, and obviously because you're watching now, we are now a part of the Scene Snobs Network, which is a network of podcasts that uh, all come together, work together, and um, produce content for you guys, as well as do a bunch of charity events um, that we will also be now partaking in. One of those will be long since past when this uh, episode airs, but we will be doing that. Uh, so that's something to kind of look forward to. But there are a bunch of other amazing podcasts on the Scene Snob Network that you guys can check out. Uh, if you guys go to www. I think it's thescenesnobs.com. Let me double check that just to make sure that I got it right. Yes, thescenesnobs.com. You guys can check out all the great podcasts there. I'm going to run you through a list real quick of all of the shows that are currently on the network um that you guys can check out they have the scene snobs podcast the btb podcast the sports snobs podcast the guapo show scene snobs reviews scene snobs interviews the showcase pulling focus podcast jeff dwowskin presents crossing the streams the three geeks podcast the pbd cast the fandom effect matt talk the ear hustling podcast carpool shenanigans uh i believe the other two are talking upstream and twitching upstream both products of our good friends friends of the show uh some nobodies Mm -hmm. Uh, we are now on the same network as them which is really awesome and we thank them so much for introducing us to uh the ceo of this network and getting us involved in it it's super awesome that's enough vamping let's go to the promotion section and we'll be right back after that for the quick this see you in a second quick this Justin Wallace, Mitch Glasgow, and Deanna Cosby. Three daily commuters are joining forces to create the comedy podcast known as Carpool Shenanigans. Each week we'll take a topic, tell a story, and hopefully make your drive to work just a little less shitty. Now the episode's about to begin, so we ask that you sit back, relax, and of course, let's get weird. It's that time again, folks. Yes, that's right, fellow podcast listeners and entertain this fans alike. It is Nick here again with another bite sized review coming out of the Sundance Film Festival 2021, the year of our Lord. You know how this works by now. I've done a few films now. We're getting kind of near the end, actually, of films that I want to talk about. And this one is probably one of my personal favorites out of the festival. And it's a little film called Coming Home in the Dark. This is a film written and directed by James Ashcroft, which is, he is a, a New Zealand filmmaker. So these are all New Zealand actors. It takes place in New Zealand, right? You sensing a trend there, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And the plot of this film, I'm going to kind of try to summarize it without being too revealing about it because I went into it pretty cold, I would say. Actually, very cold. Uh, But a school teacher and his family go on a road trip when a pair of ruthless drifters stumble upon them and things take a dramatic, bleak, and violent turn. And what transpires is a very gripping harrowing and exciting thriller uh the the type of i guess midnight madness you know midnight selection film from the festival that i was really itching for you know a film festivals you know whether it's south by southwest fantastic fest uh afi uh sundance there's a midnight section which are generally genre films that they play at the more apropos time, you know, midnight, right? Uh, Usually, you know, horror films, uh, sci-fi, you know, just genre films, things of that nature, fantasy. And this was one of them. And this was the, you know, outside of something like Censor or even In the Earth, uh, this was one that was in that kind of category that it, scratched the itch and it ticked off the boxes of what I wanted in a midnight film and in a Sundance film, to be quite frank. And I haven't felt uh, the amount of, I guess, stress and tension in a film since Don't Breathe. And I think that was 2016, if I'm just pulling that from my memory bank when I saw that at South by Southwest. Uh, in Austin, Texas. That movie was another example, much like this coming home in the dark in which I went into it cold, didn't know anything about it and was blown away by what a tight, um, uh, high rise sort of, um, tight rope walking act, uh, of a thriller, you know, and this movie pulls no punches The performances across the board are really, really great. There's quite a number of really surprising, uh, Dara, I don't want to say twists, but just directions the the movie takes you that are quite shocking and really turn and twist the knife in the wound uh, to be a little on brand. As the movie goes on its uh, dark odyssey through the, you know, New Zealand wilderness and, you know, urban areas, I guess. I don't know. The two drifters, rather, one kind of looks like Carl Urban uh, from The Boys and the other looks like, you know, Adam Driver's long lost twin. (laughs) <laughs> in some regards and when you see the film you'll know and these guys are menacing calculated and kind of uh entertaining you know and and like entertaining for the viewer to kind of watch how they uh you know talk to this family and the dark roads they take them down and there's a lot of interesting character revelations that occur in the film, both on the drifter side as well as the family side that engages the viewer and turns the plot. And, and it, it makes these characters look at each other and it makes their um, interactions much more interesting when things begin to uh, evolve over the course of the film. 
it's a it's a brisk hour 33 even though it felt longer but not in the way of like oh this needs to be wrapped up this is way too long it it just it it just drags in the sense that you feel stuck in this situation which is amazing uh i i had a really great time with this movie as i was watching it i knew that this was going to be something that i would be talking about and praising uh as it currently i think is still seeking uh, distribution as far as you know when it'll release whether it's in theaters limited or like uh, full you know theatrical or whether it'll be video on demand or some sort of hybrid this is a movie that you should absolutely put on your radar if you like films like don't breathe or you know just general thrillers right it's got some graphic moments it's bleak uh it's not for the faint of heart it is a very taught thriller and i had an utter blast with this movie and i think that if any of this sounds like something that would be up your alley i can promise you that this movie will deliver so be on the lookout for coming home in the dark hey that wasn't very long was it guys no we're back now we're still <laughs> figuring out all the kinks so if that felt weird on your guys's end don't tell us we'll fix it <laughs> trust me it'll feel weird for us too um so this week uh, for my quick this i okay let's talk about how this works because mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. this is going to be their first episode of our podcast <laughs> we'll cut this out no 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 this is no. good um we'll cut this out all right fine it's been a year people <laughs> could use a revive on what it all is so basically yeah, how our how our show works is if you made it this far, you probably figured it out, but we rotate uh, who kind of leads the conversation every week, talking about something in entertainment. This week, we happened to have Nick hosting, and Nick took us into a deep dive into Bioshock 2. He looks scared. Are you okay? Nice, Are you nice all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay. So, basically, the way that it works from this point on is whoever hosted the week prior... Uh, which if you are a fan of the podcast and have listened for a long time, you know that that was me and that we talked about Franz Kafka's uh, Metamorphosis Mm -hmm. um, last week. Yes, you guys remember you were here. I was there. Uh, You guys were here. So I am going to do the quick this this week. What a quick this is, is it's a five-minute, strict five-minute version of the podcast where we talk about something that maybe we don't think will make up an hour's worth of content, but we still want to talk about and kind of share with you guys. And I have something, kind of throwing it back to that very first episode again, that I'm pissed off about. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So it's going to be a quick this rant. If we could get a timer, one of you boys could pull up a timer yeah. for me, and we're going to start doing this a legit five-minute quick this. Okay, I'll, I'll make a big old hus. Okay, Michael's got it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Just Everyone show it on screen screen when it goes work. to five yep. minutes. No. <laughs> okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, and... go so what i'm going to be talking about today is an a marvel character that a lot of people don't know about and who uh as many have sony completely and totally effed up so let's talk about that today vision have you guys not vision (laughs) not vision vision they're doing okay with vision but with wandavision coming out and this new sort of focus on mutants uh, we're going to talk about a mutant that is pretty famous in the comic books. 
and that is the mutant Darwin. Are you guys familiar at all with Darwin? I think I read his Wikipedia page a long time ago, but it's been a bit. Michael, you probably did because we used to play Mutants and Masterminds and a guy who we played Mutants and Masterminds with copied this character to a T and then claimed it as his own uh, idea. And we looked it up and proved him wrong. Yep. (laughs) So what what Darwin's ability is, his mutant power, is that his body uncontrollably adapts to everything that happens to him. So if he is inside of a burning building, his body uncontrollably will adapt to something that is fireproof or if he's like drowning his body will immediately turn into uh something that doesn't require oxygen an example that uh to kind of tell you guys is he once faced a super human who killed everything that was alive so his body adapted and turned itself into a sponge because technically a sponge isn't a living creature but it's still an organism that is living um and that way he was able to survive it interesting okay all right let's let's delve even deeper into darwin's powers and talk about how one time he was going up against literal death like death the grim reaper a Mm -hmm. female character in the marvel universe the touch of death killed people darwin's powers are so crazy that he touched death and his body adapted to it turning him into death took death's powers away from death. His body adapted to the point where he became the god of death. And in that way was able to defeat the powers of death and not die from this. Hmm. So that uh, brings up how, of course, Sony, as it so often does, (laughs) fucks it up. Mm -hmm. Way to go, Sony. So... Darwin shows up in um, X-Men First Class. He is portrayed by a man named Eddie Gathigi. I think I pronounced that right. Um, He was a Kenyan-American actor uh, rather than an Afro-Hispanic, which he had been in the comic books, which it's like great representation. We love that. So he demonstrated his abilities such as growing gills when underwater and developing armor plating to withstand physical beatings. So like already it's like he can adapt to anything. He will never Mm -hmm. die. He was like the captain of this young X-Man's team. So Professor X and Magneto first encounter him as a taxi cab driver when he takes a somewhat uh, fatherly and protective role with the other mutants except with Alex Summers. So he like becomes this like father figure for all of the mutants. Um in X-Men First Class, which of course is showing all of the origin stories for all of the X-Men, in case you didn't know that. In a short conflict between uh, Xavier's mutants and the Hellfire Club, Sebastian Shaw forces an energy blast uh, down into Darwin's throat. So this is within like the first... 10-ish, or not not 10, but like within the first act of this movie, mm-hmm. um, he forces an energy blast down his throat and it causes him to internally explode and die. Oh, well, I see the problem there. <laughs> That's In it. the first act, Darwin dies. 
Okay. Yeah. After after like proving to be this like fatherly figure within the X Men, like that all everyone looks up to, they kill him off because a super villain forces an energy blast down his throat and he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the fact that he does not rematerialize, nor does he make another appearance in the series, it can be assumed that he has perished. Of course, Darwin's death has been met with. Uh, derosion from fans and from critics due to many feeling that his power should have made him immune to Shaw's energy combined with the fact that his death was an example of the black guy dies first trope. Uh, uh. So how bad did Sony fuck this up? Sorry, we hit five minutes, but this is in conclusion. I'm done now. Um, (laughs) Wrap it up. So how bad does Sony fuck it up? Let's talk about that. They somehow (laughs) killed off the black guy first, yep. even though uh-huh. he was an unkillable character. Yeah. Way to go, Sony. You messed it up mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And that's my quick this. <laughs> okay. I, I love a good little superhero rant from you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. I, I have done many of them. Mm-hmm. You like them superheroes, don't you? I really do. I'm a comic book nerd. I mean, you can tell from my background, like comic book, comic book boxes all the way down, mm-hmm. comics laying right there, uh, Spider-Man picture somewhere yeah, over yeah, in yeah. that direction. That's there not even touching the Funko Pop collection that lines your We're not going to talk about it. Okay. We're not going to talk right. about it. We're not going to talk about it. Thanks, the though. White, the white collection? Thanks oh. about that. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're not going to be doing that. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. For those of you first tuning in to entertain this, if this is your first time listening, watching uh, due to the uh, Scene Snobs Network, uh, go ahead and head over to the Scene Snobs page on Facebook, hit them with a like, uh, visit their website, check out the other amazing shows on this network that we are now signed to. Um, if you guys want to get in contact with us at all, there are a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, number one, you can find us on Twitter. We are entertain underscore this on Instagram. We are entertain this podcast. But if you really want to get in the thick of it, you can go to our website. That's www.entertainthis.net. There you can find links to all of our social medias as well as our Discord page. Um and other things of that nature. Now let's do a call to action. Hey guys, if there's anything out there that you guys want to see us cover, if there is something that you want us to entertain and then do an episode of the podcast on, please reach out to us at entertainthispodcast at gmail.com. We love to take your suggestions, love to listen to what you guys want to see and want to hear, and we will for sure take those into consideration. Maybe you'll introduce something new to us. So entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain entertain this thank you so much for watching or listening hey, it applies now. yeah we did it that's a callback baby <laughs> you didn't get it you weren't here for it see you next week bye. bye this episode of entertain this was written by me nick mustakangas with additional commentary from michael savoya and alex Steele. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional transitional music by DJW. Special thanks once again to Nick Wolf for his intermission movie review. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>